0: In 1956 the Australian Athletics Championships were being held as a precursor event to the Olympics that year to be hosted in Melbourne. John Landy was one of the leading 1500 metre runners in the world at that time and was using this championship as an opportunity to prepare himself for the Olympics and was trying to break the 1500 metre world record at this event. As the event got underway, uh, a leading pack formed at the front of the field and at about two-thirds distance through the 1,500 metre race, uh, some jostling began at the front of the pack as the competitors tried to find the perfect spot for their sprint home to the line. John Landy was situated just at the back of this pack, perfectly placed to win the race. As the jostling uh, took place, uh, Ron Clark. One of the competitors tripped on the ankle of another competitor and fell at the front of the field. Uh, One of the competitors stood on his arm and their spikes cut his arm during the mix-up of limbs. And as the leading pack reformed and gathered themselves after this fall, John Landy did something incredible. He stopped mid-track, giving away his chance of a world record and putting his perfect preparation for the Olympics in jeopardy. He turned and ran back to Ron Clark, helped him to his feet, checked if he was okay, and then turned and continued on in the race, giving away five or six seconds to his competitors in the process and assuring that he would not break a world record on that day. In an incredible act of athleticism, John Landy actually went on to win the race caught up to the leaders and took out the win in this race. But what he's remembered for is that act of coming back to Ron Clark and helping him to his feet. This moment is actually recognised and remembered in our nation's consciousness. We talk of this moment and think of this moment as an act of incredible generosity of what sportsmanship looks like For us as Australians. So much so that it's actually been commemorated as a statue which now stands in the sporting precinct here in Melbourne that people pass by and see what true sportsmanship in competition looks like. But you know what's incredible about John Landy? He lived an amazing life and continues to. He did incredible things in his pursuits as a runner. He went to world championships, he won an Olympic bronze medal, he actually was the second person to ever run a sub four minute mile. An incredible achievement. Later on in life he actually became the governor of our state of Victoria. He has lived an incredible life but through all of his achievement it's these five seconds that he's known for, that he's remembered for, that stick out as defining five seconds of his life despite everything that he did. This is what John Landy is known for. Generosity, extravagant generosity that goes above and beyond the normal generosity that we see in life grabs us. It captures our attention. And no matter what else John Landy has done in his life, this is the moment that he will be remembered for for generations to come. Extravagant generosity does something to us. It captures our attention. We take notice of it when we see it. In Scripture, in the first book of Chronicles, we see another moment of extravagant generosity taking place. King David is coming to the end of his life and he's had a dream to always build a temple to uh, honour and worship God in the city of Jerusalem. But he's realised that he will not be the person to build it. His son Solomon will be the one that builds this temple. And so David, in one of the final frames of his life, calls for an offering from the nations, calls for an offering from his fellow Israelites. And David, as king, does something incredible. Rather than taking from the national uh, taxation system to fit out this temple, he gives from his own wealth. And David brings almost all of his wealth as an offering to the fit out of this temple to make something beautiful and calls the leaders and his fellow citizens to do the same. And on this day, an incredibly extravagant offering takes place. It's hard to quite work out the numbers, but something like a billion dollars in our modern day figures is given in this one offering for the fit out of this temple. And David, as he sees all that is happening, is overwhelmed by the extravagant generosity of his people. And in chapter 29, verses 14 to 20, we see some of David's reactions as he reflects on this moment of extravagance from his people.
1: Today's reading is from 1 Chronicles 29, 14 to 20. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we are providing for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and do everything to build the palatial structure for which I provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King.
0: Whether you're giving time, gifts Compassion or or money to someone. Giving out of the overflow of your life is a a really good thing. There's needs that we have and certain things that we need to attend to in life, but many of us have an overflow, have an excess that we get to choose what to do with. Being generous with this overflow is is a really good thing. The alternative, of course, is to keep it for yourself and to try and make yourself comfortable and meet your own interests. Most of us know that in the long run, that kind of selfishness leads to an emptiness in our lives. We know that generosity with the overflow is is a really good thing and a good practice. But extravagant generosity is about more than just the overflow of your life. Extravagant generosity is being generous beyond the overflow in a way that starts to cut into some of your needs. It begins to cost you and push you and make you feel uncomfortable in in some way in your life. This moment in in King David's life, this, this, this offering, what's confronting is that it wasn't for the building of the temple itself. These gifts were not gifts of bricks and mortar and timber and nails to build a structure. That had already been accounted for through the national finances of the nation of Israel. This gift was about the fitting out of the temple. It was a gift of gold, silver, um, precious stone and and jewellery to make this temple beautiful. This was an extravagantly generous gift for an extravagantly beautiful temple as an act of worship to God. In every sense of the word, this gift was extravagant. And David, in one of the final frames of his life, is humbled and overwhelmed as he looks at what happened around him. His opening words that we just read were, who am I? And who are we, your people, God, that we could give so generously? We are a people that could give out of the overflow. That would be natural and normal and and okay for us, but Who are we to give beyond the overflow and in this kind of extravagantly generous way? Who are we, a a people of slavery in Egypt, who you, God, have led out of slavery into freedom? You kept us alive in the wilderness and now you give us this land and this place to inhabit and you give us this opportunity to build this temple. Who are we, God, to be able to practice this kind of extravagantly generous giving in an act of worship and honour to you. David is humbled in this moment. and This extravagant generosity marks his life in its final frame. It marks all that he does as king. It marks his generation. It marks his nation. It forever stands out in history as something that, that, that people can live up to that we could be extravagantly generous no matter the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Extravagantly generous moments mark us, transform us, and change us. Today's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everyone watching today and a special happy Mother's Day to my mum. She did an incredible job raising three boys. Hats off to your mum. Unbelievable what you have done over the last three decades. What we celebrate today is an ideal of extravagant generosity. Parenting is by nature a practice of what extravagantly generous behaviour looks like. If you want to be a parent and an only parent out of the overflow of your life, you're going to find it really, really hard. Parenting pushes you to give beyond what is safe and comfortable and easy and asks you to give above and beyond what you may feel comfortable and safe in doing. Parenting pushes us to be generous beyond just the overflow and pushes us to pay a cost for the sake of another that we love. This is what we celebrate today on Mother's Day. The, The ideal of motherhood. The ideal of of an extravagantly generous lifestyle for the sake of another. Motherhood that gives beyond just the basic essentials of keeping another human alive. We don't say to our mums on Mother's Day, I'm alive, mum. Thanks. Good job. I'll see you in a year. No, we celebrate the generosity of our mothers towards us throughout our lives. We celebrate the ideal of what motherhood should be. We don't celebrate whether you're a mother or not. It's the ideal of motherhood that we call out of one another today. That extravagantly generous act of giving at cost for the sake of another, for their welfare, for their growth, so that they would thrive in life. Today, we celebrate the ideal of motherhood and we call it out of one another. We ask one another to step up to the plate of this ideal. Whether you're a mother or or, or not, today we celebrate and we look to what extravagant generosity looks like in our lives. Because when we see it, it grabs us. It attracts us. It calls us forward and we, we let it dig into the fabric of who we are. It's in the DNA of who we are as humans. It's in the fabric of what makes us human. When we witness this kind of extravagant generosity, it changes us. It influences us. It transforms the stories that we tell about ourselves and the things that we highlight in each other. Extravagant generosity is in our DNA. It's in the fabric of what makes us human because we are made in the image of an extravagantly generous God. This is His nature. This is His character. Jesus is the embodiment of God here on this earth. He is, he, is, he is God's character and nature in human form walking among us in a way that we can understand and grab hold of and make sense of. In Jesus, we see God's character in human form. And Jesus did not love us in a way that just came from the overflow of his life. Jesus' love and his generosity towards us went well beyond an overflow of love into something that cost him, that caused him to give more than what was safe or comfortable or easy to give. Jesus' generosity towards us cost him his life. This is the nature and the character of the God we have been made in the image of. It's in the fabric of us as humans. It's in the DNA of who we are. In 1 John 4.19, it says that we love because Christ first loved us. In Jesus, we have an example of what extravagant generosity looks like in love. And when we allow that kind of love to settle in us, to transform us to influence us and then when we practice that and offer it to someone else something incredible happens in our lives it's like when the the dna that we have as humans is met with and and is received with this gift of extravagant love from jesus no longer does generosity become just a chore that we do but it is a natural outworking of who we are as humans we truly become human when we begin to walk in the footsteps of the god who created us of the God who showed us his extravagant love for us by the way he lived with us. Extravagant generosity is not a chore. It is a natural outworking of our lives when we allow the radical love of Jesus to take hold of us, to dig deep within us, and to transform our lives. John Landy could have done many generous things on that day in 1956. He could have crossed the finish line and and grabbed Ron Clark after the race and said, look, Ron, hard luck today. It was really unfair what happened to you. Who knows? You could have won the race today and beaten me at, at the finish line. I want to pay your race fee. I want to pay all of your expenses for your training and your preparation and your travel to this event. It wasn't fair what happened to you today. So let me pay for all of your expenses for this race. That would have been generous. John Landy could have crossed the finish line and broken the world record and and in the celebration amongst his fans and the media, he could have turned his back on all of the accolades and gone and sat with Ron Clark in the medical tent while he was being attended to with the wounds on his arms and, and in humility sat with Ron Clark on that day, turning his back on all of the fame that he was being given. That would have been a humble and generous act. But neither of those acts of generosity would have been made into a statue. Neither of those acts of generosity would be remembered over 60 years later. It's generosity that goes above and beyond the overflow. It's extravagant generosity that comes at a cost. Generosity that is given in the midst of challenge, that is given not when we are safe and comfortable and we can count for the generosity, but generosity that is given before we have security, before we know how things will play out. This kind of extravagant generosity that comes at a cost is what sticks out in human history. It is the generosity that influences us, that changes us, and that sticks with us. John Landy's act to help Ron Clark to his feet in the midst of competition sticks out because it goes above and beyond the overflow and enters into the territory of extravagance. You were made for this kind of living. You were made for this kind of generosity. It is in your DNA. It is in the fabric of what makes you human. You were made in the image of a God who is extravagantly generous towards you. His love for you is seen in the character of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice and and the offering of his life in an act of generosity for you, so that you could be made right with God, gives us assurance of God's character and nature, and if you like, is, is like a mirror showing us what it is that we were made to be. Will this generosity mark you? Will you allow it to influence you? Will you allow it to lead your story? What does extravagance look like for you in your life? It's in the DNA of what makes you human. Just imagine what it would look like if this kind of generosity took hold of our neighbourhoods, took hold of our relational network. Imagine the outworking and the stories that could be told of this generation, of this moment, if we allowed the authentic DNA that makes us human, the image of the God that we were created in to flow out of us. If we allowed the love of God, the love of Jesus, the extravagantly generous nature that He has given to us to transform us and lead us and influence how we behave towards one another. You were made to live a life of extravagance. You were made to be generous beyond just the overflow of what you could afford to give, for what you could count on and and give to somebody that is rational and reasonable. You were made for extravagance, to be extravagantly generous to the world around you. What would that look like? What could change? What could happen in the world around you if this was released in you and your family this week?